0: Three, two, one. Bro, we're here. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, what's going on? This is Ray from Got DM, joining my friend uh, Brian again, man. I love it. Thanks for the invite.
0: Dude, of course, <laughs> man. Uh, we've had some really good conversations lately. And, you know, I know one thing that we were talking about because – if for the folks who are listening, we were talking about a little bit about world building, but we were getting to know your DM style, right? We were kind of getting to know how Evermore was created and really how you run your table, especially since you run, you've been running it for 20 plus years and you've had a multitude of players coming in and out. But one thing that we, we talked on and we, didn't, we weren't able to kind of go full you know, in depth in was intervention, a lot of DMs, in my opinion, are kind of on the fence with how much should a DM intervene in the game, and I want to get your thoughts on that because I don't intervene a lot. I would probably say that I only intervene if there's a question about a, a, a like a rule, so like a kind of like a regulation perspective, and then obviously like my DMing, so you know me interacting with the players or as an NPC. So on and so forth, but everything else is pretty much on the players. How do you view that? And, and what, how do you take the time to really be in the game, like in depth and kind of facilitating everything? Or do you, do you let your players just go?
1: I, so I guess the first one I would answer to that, as far as DM interventions, um, <clears throat> I don't intervene. Okay. At all. So I think that's the one thing that's a little bit different with Evermore um, or the world that I run. Um, It's it's purely based on the player's decisions. Okay. so a lot of what I do, for instance, you know, I'll give a couple plot lines. I'll give a couple things to go into. But the players really make the story. They are they are interacting with one another. They're kind of creating this whole 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 environment. Um, when it comes to interventions, I guess you'd have to look at, like, what are the classic interventions,
2: right? Mm, I guess the first okay. one
1: would be, let's, let's start from that, I guess, that perspective. Okay. I mean, like, a, a good classic intervention would be if an enemy is too strong and the DM kind of, you know, throws them uh, a few 20s here or there, right? I guess that'd yeah. be that'd be. And like a, I guess lower the difficulty of a creature or a, of a of a of a
2: monster.
0: Yeah, um, maybe they spoof something up because they when they were planning the monster, they're like, oh shit, this is really powerful, and you know some <laughs> bad dice rolls happened because you know you can't you got to put that into perspective too. Sometimes you're gonna roll like shit.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's another consideration though is is it the tail of the, the tail of the dice or is it the tail of the situ or of the monster? You know, it's like if, if the monster's hitting them and all of a sudden you've got like three players making death saves on the first turn and they're all level three or, or five, you probably can scale it down just a tad bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Just
1: a bit. Um, but as far as me classically and my, my DM style and the way I like to play um, or the way I, I put my world out there, um, is I don't intervene. And what I mean by that is that the players have the decision to fight. Okay. Um, I will never put one of those fights where it's like, you only have, you have to fight. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, you go down a dark alley and it's all three walls in and there's this one person, he's blocked the exit. That's a rare situation for me because it's up to the players to figure out if they want to engage in a battle. Now, yeah. if, if they go in and they decide, you know, I want to murder Hobo uh, a character and that all of a sudden they find out that murder Hobo is a level 17 warrior that was on retirement, um that's on them and i have tpk parties that way
0: i mean um, but that but yeah. that's response right no, your response is something that they as the players decided to do mm-hmm. i i would even say that's not interacting that's just or inter intervening and in, in that mm-hmm. kind of like you're not doing that necessarily as in well, you're operating within the world as that npc
1: sure sure absolutely Uh, But I think the other consideration is that when that battle starts, Mm -hmm. if that battle is difficult or deadly, you know, if if a player is level one and they decide, Hey, I want to fight a dragon, I will let that happen. And, you know, at that point, it's like, you know, the players can get upset. They're like, why we didn't even have a chance against that dragon. You made the decision to fight it. And I think that's the, that's the biggest one for me. Secondarily though, if, the fight does get a little sideways, like, you know, the enemy is, is mm-hmm. winning a little too much. Mm-hmm. The players always have the option to retreat. And I For think sure. that's a big consideration because, you know, it's like when well, you look at the rules of opportunity or opportunity attacks, um, you almost have to figure out a way to peel away, you know, peel off yeah. the battlefield. It's, it's, yep. you know, put your warriors in place so the, the, the people that are looking to run away can get out of there. Um, yeah, I don't intervene by by softwalling the monsters because players have a ton of tactics that they can use
0: at um, their disposal. I, really,
1: at their disposal, and they have multiple turns. They have multiple ways to weave those. Where, yep. for for example, uh, you know, I, as a DM, if the battle is very very arduous or if the enemy is very strong, um, and they're not a spellcaster, I can't magically make a spellcaster. But players can have multitude of combinations like that. For sure. So. I rarely ever reduce the power or strength of my creatures. If anything, I'll increase them. Um, But again, that's depending on story, X, Y, and Z. Um, But the players will always know they have the ability to retreat or engage at any time. So I really don't find the, in that perspective, I don't find the need to
2: intervene.
0: Now, and, and and I understand that because I feel that if you want to have a world in which your players can live and thrive in right and they can um really just exist in Mm -hmm. you cannot intervene in the same ways as other game systems right um other game systems you might have to intervene um just to kind of facilitate the story a little bit more just because Uh that's what it calls for right and that's fine that's absolutely fine but in games like pathfinder but especially dungeons and dragons you don't, the, the game master, or the dungeon master is really there to kind of keep and really, and I would even argue to say, keep everything in line. It's more of keep everything, you know, in this area where you say, and it's not, I don't mean to say from a containment perspective, mm-hmm. but rather to say, keep folks in line from a, Hey, treat, you know, players, let's not have an argument with one another and disrespect one another, right? Let's make sure that if there is a miscommunication, mm-hmm. you know, that, and then that's how I view that DM, right, is to, sure. to, and that's where I would even go into intervention. I've only intervened when players have had miscommunications about certain rules, and it either becomes personal or I prevent it in order, you know, so that it doesn't become personal and we can maintain sure. those friendships. But I think that's really one of the major times when, and again, besides from a game perspective, that a DM should intervene with their players. It should be in those moments where if players are arguing with one another, you should intervene because they're not, they've crossed the line of role-playing and entered into personal space so to speak
1: absolutely absolutely i think that's the other consideration you it's like the importance of a session zero right yep if one of the things that we ask in that in the, the one of those most important things you can do for any dnd game um is we do ask that question if players get in each other's face not on a personal level but maybe as a character is that okay because there's a level of consent that does go on with that, where it's, you know, you, you kind of have to go, is that the anger of the character? Or is that the anger of the player? But mm-hmm. I absolutely believe what you said. If, the, if anything gets personal at the table, as a DM, that would be my, I would say that would be the only time from a classic sense that I would intervene. And that's mostly just to go, you know what, we're going to pause the game take either a 15 minute break. I need to see a couple people just to discuss a couple things.
0: Yep. Um, so you almost never... have to have like a, a small, uh, like a, a round table to say, Hey, yeah. what the hell? Like what's going yeah. on here? Did I miss something?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you never know you, you, you know, there, there may be an argument because something happened between those two. Oh, sure. In their personal sure. life.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. But I think that's the other part too, as a, as a DM, particularly one that, you know, I'm, I do a lot of public games. Yep. So where you're in a situation that's that, that happens, you know, it's like, if something's personal, I've had it where I'm like, Hey, I just want to ask the question, you know, is there anything wrong? I just want to know, is is something upsetting? And if the individual says it's a personal matter, like I'll leave it alone, but I'll also ask that that person be removed from the table until things are not of uh of, you know, things are kind of de-escalated. Yeah. Um, it's just because I've seen some things like that happen in the past, and it festers. Mm-hmm. And it may not be on hour one, it may not be on hour two, but before you get to that end of the session, it's like, you can tell when stuff starts to percolate.
2: Absolutely. It's
1: not, yeah, it's not that like, I think as a DD player, as a DM, but as a, as a human being, if you see something like that causing anger causing these raw emotions that way and it's not by consent by the other person receiving them mm-hmm. i think we have a duty just to go you know what there's a line between real life and a game yeah and we're crossing it and you know what i mean and i think we, we would let's have this conversation but um before we go anywhere from this we have to kind of had we have to have an understanding and i think that's a huge part of this
0: for sure so i so so let's break it down a little bit further right so we we just discussed now you know from a dungeon master to player perspective of when interventions are appropriate. And we kind of hit a little bit from a dungeon master to character, but how do you decide when the dungeon master acting as the NPC should intervene or intercede with the players? So for example, um, (laughs) You know, and and let's even define that a little bit further Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, kind of go into a little bit more detail. So as a dungeon master, I basically let my players do whatever the hell they want. If they want to open up a brothel or if they want to open up a tavern, if they want to become merchants, cool. Go for it. Do what you want. And I interact with them as if I am, obviously, as the NPCs based on the culture, based on the city, the location, all that good stuff. Now, when I say intervention, you brought up a great example that the players go to fight a 17th level warrior who's retired, right? Mm -hmm. I look at intervention or I define it as, or one of the definitions of intervention is, hey, if the NPCs are causing a ruckus, I, as the dungeon master, will intervene in the name of the NPC because that NPC so happens to be the town guard, mm-hmm. and the town guard are meant to their programs, so to speak. And again, I'm using air quotes for the folks for sure. listening because <laughs> <laughs> um, I realize that I'm doing it and no one can see me, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> um, it, it's almost like okay, I'm inter. I'm intervening as that NPC, you know, town guard because Mm -hmm. the players are being murder hobos. Now, would you say that that's crossing the line or would you say that that's almost, you know, bringing a little bit of balance into or balance back into the game, you know, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So to speak. Sure,
1: sure. I think that's the perspective of of definitely in the campaign setting that you're looking to create, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if if you know, I'll 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 reference a really good um, a really good piece of advice I was given by Matt uh, from Pickled Dragon. It's like. If you have players that are just murder hoboing, mm-hmm. right, and you, know, you don't know what to do as a DM, you're just going, I, you know, man, I'm trying to play a game where everybody can enjoy and I can tell certain players are getting upset by this, what do I do? And you know, it's, you, can, you can do the, the NPC that steps in and goes, hey, stop that. And it's a direct, you know, I'm not a big fan of DM NPCs at that mm-hmm. perspective but I am a big fan that the play or the townspeople, the city, the culture around them, they're going to be affected by players that just go running around, you know, doing such things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it,
1: it's like, you know, when they go into a town, you know, all of a sudden they want to buy rations and the rations are a hundred gold pieces apiece. piece. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the next time they eat their rations, they get real sick because uh, guess who food or poison the food rations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. There's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, I think I think having an NPC there, because when you have an NPC that steps in, now again, you can do this in many different ways. And I'm only saying it from a perspective of like an NPC that's traveling with the party, mm-hmm. um, like a D- DM NPC. Um, I try not to give, I try to let the players solve the predicaments they have in front of them using the tools that they have. For sure. Now. If those tools are, and by their reflection they go, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, hurt these people to, to acquire some things," mm-hmm. um, the intervention then would have to be something like, you know, an increase in cost, or maybe they yeah. won't be sold goods. Um, but I think that's less of a DM intervention for me. That's more of the world evolving around the players.
0: Okay, and I and I'm and I'm happy that you said that because, for the longest time, I've always quantified that as intervention and just said well if that's intervention i guess i'm just you know so be it because yeah. at the end of the day i believe that a game should have cause and effect and and I actually created some homebrew rules with cameron from the dnd coalition hmm. about this where i had homebrew rules you know back at my table who I, I think back from like 3.5 nice. where it was when a player or a group of players you know a party goes into town they have they start earning loyalty points so to speak and okay. these loyalty points very similar to what you're saying where if the players start acting like murder hobos well guess what you know prices are going to go up on certain goods and it's that first stage of okay prices are going up you know the second stage is that people start avoiding you and start just stop really start to kind of shun you away
2: yeah. and then that
0: third final stage is okay you've caused enough trouble where the townsfolk have pretty much revolted against you and they have, you know, torches and, and, and pitchforks and they're driving you away. And guess what? If you're in a bigger city, the town's guard are called in because they're the local law enforcement who are there to, you know, protect the community. And, yeah. you know, and then it escalates, right? Obviously like if you piss off a town and guess what the town's owned by a local, you know, mafia Don, <laughs> um, you know, that mafia is going to that they're going to probably send hitmen after you because you disturbed that town or did something to, you know, offend someone in that town. But then yeah. on the positive side of it, if you do things to earn the favor of the town, okay, now you get discounts, you get free room and board, you start racking up loyalty where you're like, okay, like, if someone is trying to hunt for you, right? Let's say there's some mercenaries out to get the party, that town's gonna hide you. That town okay. is going to protect you and say, nope, haven't I don't even know what a dragonborn is, right? <laughs> you know, those type of things. Yeah. And it's so I think and, and again I, I like how you said it where it's not intervention necessarily, but it's letting the world operate on its own.
1: Because the reason why I'm saying that also is because I allow my players to play evil campaigns. So okay. if they individually could you want explain play, a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. I I've got players that they have created schemes just to be able to move like large amount of products from one parts of their kingdom to another. I mean, they nice. have hired, uh, how can I say this whole campaigns to pretend that they're homesteads. So people come there to to spend money on goods that were, you know, they've created their own criminal networks. Okay. And the reason why That's I awesome. allow them, to do it, yeah, because it's like, if they start doing the murder hoboing thing, I'm not saying I'm going to go, yeah, let them do it, you know, kind of just go rampant. Yeah. But in situations where their actions are creating that effect with the environment,
2: mm-hmm. a,
1: a DM intervention would almost seem as, and this is what I want to follow up this question or this, this comment with, but a DM intervention would, um, it almost seem like it's being shoehorned.
0: And so mm, okay. The
1: question I have for you though is how do you where do we draw the line between like a anyway let me let me, let me back this up. I think this okay. is a really good. What if um how do you prevent your intervention if you do use an intervention uh or or the environment or your story um from feeling uh from from feeling less railroady I guess. Like how do you make it feel like you're, you're, you're not railroading your players into a destination?
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what I typically do, and this is how I run my games really. So it, it starts it, – it's really, it's really hard to just kind of say, oh, I just do this magic formula, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's how I run my game. I give my players a lot of freedom. You know, I set and – it, and it always happens in a session one – I come up with a, a kind of like a story hook and something that they can do and how they're all brought together. And after they complete that story hook or that, you know, a little, or they are not even complete. If they choose to follow through, then I have other stuff prepared, but most of the time they, they go through it. And when they're done, I tell all my players, Hey, listen, you all, tell me what you, you know, you always say, you guide the story. I, we, you know, we collaborate and we, you know, tell stories together, but as the dungeon master, my role is to facilitate your stories first and foremost before my story. So that notion allows me to not have it, it removes me from the equation. So therefore any type of railroading is almost impossible because you're putting yourself last, so to speak. Right. Sure. Sure. To add to that, when, when players want to just say, well, we're cool with whatever, right. Okay. Well, I start to think and I start to, I start to tell them, okay, because of their actions, and I use the, that word specifically, so that it starts. They start to think to themselves, "Oh, my actions have consequences. My actions have some sort of repercussion." And you know, let let's you know let me let me bring an example from my last game, from my last session. They saved a local lord, who they found out, you know, sh- you know he made a pact. Um, with the moon goddess and is a lichen, right? And can, tr- can transform and do all that, you know, all that stuff. But afterward, when they rescued that local Lord and, you know, now they're pretty much that local Lord is indebted to them, owes them a favor and whatnot. I told them, all right, you affected that area And the local crime syndicate is now looking into you because, you know, and again, I I state that because I start to lay down from a role-playing perspective. Oh, make a perception check. Oh, you start to see people following you. You start to see more, you know, you're getting kind of more awareness from people in you know, hooded cloaked figures and whatnot. And again, you know, that that's very condensed and it's a little bit out of, out of pocket, Mm -hmm. but I let them know that again, taking myself out of the equation, I let them know that their actions have consequences, that the world is living and breathing. So the intervention is not necessarily railroady. Now, the only time I would say that they really see me intervene and it's net, it's, I have the players that say, I want to look through every trap in the dungeon. Okay. No problem. You know, they're kind of expecting me to say there's literally no traps guys. Like yeah. they're expecting me, which again, I would consider that a form of intervention. Well, no, that, I'm not going to do that because that, that goes against me. And the first thing I said, remove yourself as the DM from the story. Remove your ego. It's and again, it's kind of like that. Remove your ego. Remove. Yes, you want to tell a story, and you're in, and you're definitely, you know, there to tell a story. But your players have a story to tell as well. Sure. And you have to focus on that as well before, you know, before you put your. And again, it's just it's also dependent upon the players. I have a lot of players that have said, "Hey, you know what? You tell the story. We just want to be entertained." Okay. so when you have players like that intervention's almost necessary you almost have to you're almost you know the generator right if, if we're looking at it from like a, a computer science or a video game perspective you're generating everything versus the players so it's also dependent upon the players as well what do they want to do how do they want to play good
2: points good point.
0: yeah man and, and you know and and the one thing about intervention and and interceding cuz i kind of i've been toying around with this and i want to get your opinion on it okay. should a dm instead of intervene intercede on the behalf of the pl- or on the behalf of the world with the npcs this is why i think about interceding because again the players have their own wills and directions Mm -hmm. but they're not the npc at the end of the day
1: what give me an example
0: so from an intercession or from an interceding perspective Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know the npcs come towards the players because and again the dm is enacting that role so well for the most part they're going to usually enact that role of npc where they say you know hey pl- you know hey mighty adventurers we heard that you slayed the mighty troll living in this part of the woods mm-hmm. and we you know we heard of your great deeds and we w- want to hire you and on behalf of you know we're interceding we're we're on behalf of this entity we want to hire you to now be you know the local police force so to speak you know for lack of better words mm-hmm you know, where does, you know, is that still intervention? Is that still something where the DM should be a part of, or it should, or is that, would you say that is more acceptable with the kind of line of thinking where we're removing ourselves and we're not railroading our players?
1: I think at that point though, that's, that's, I would, I would not say that would be interceding at least from my perspective, it would okay. be, or, or, or DM intervention. It would be more of a, that is part of the story. Okay, I guess that's the heart of the story because, like, if if for instance, you know, you're putting the situations, you're 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 you're, you're giving. Here's a good example for me, at least. It would be like you put a market stall in front of a player. Mm-hmm. Now, the pl- its up to the player to go to that market stall. It's up to the player to look at the goods, to purchase, to do this. But if the player decides to walk past that market stall. And you turn around and go, and at that point you see 60 police and they all walk towards you and they push you into this market. So, you know what I mean?
0: Like there's, yeah, that's there's railroading, a,
1: For there's sure, there's an ominous feeling of that. And I think that's where, as long as your, your intentions on storytelling, it's like you're putting it out there and it's, it's, it's always that I always look at it. Like you're putting a tool in front of a player and you're asking the player to use the tool, but you're not showing them how to use the tool.
2: Mm, okay. so
1: the human factor part about that is that you know it's it's like if somebody picked up a pen well they yeah. could write a story they could write music they could write something very beautiful um or they can try to stab you with it yeah now true. as a dm my job is to really to prevent railroading it's it's put the thing in front of them and let it have all those options but if you have to ask yourself the question you know i give you the pen and i want you to write with it and if you try anything else it's a negative
0: that's railroading okay so I, uh, yeah that's so it's almost like there's a consequence for them not choosing the thing that you've placed in front of them versus literally just letting it be organic letting it be something where you you set the things in the world and they're in motion mm-hmm. and perhaps you know perhaps they didn't go to that market stall right but someone goes to that market stall and buys an item from the stall and in the transaction, it ends up being in the party's possession later on in the future. I don't know. Again, that's, you know, that's how I look at a living and breathing world, just like our own world, right? Like I don't have to go, you know, there's a thousand different grocery stores. I can go to whichever grocery store I want to go to at the end of the day, if it's available to me. Mm-hmm. And everything else is going to live and breathe organically as is it. does, You know, it's no one's going to force me or railroad me to go to that grocery store. So, you know, I, and, and something that I, I've thought about, too, because you have, you know, and I, I know this is probably lowballing it, but you have mm-hmm. 10 plus players at a time, correct? That's correct. That's OK, correct. so with parties that big and like you said, you you have. And I think it would be safe to say, to to kind of remind the folks as well, you not only do you have a minimum of 10-plus players, you have multiple sessions going on at different times, correct?
1: That's correct. I play about four games a week with the players, so we're looking at about 8 to 10 players on average. I if, mean, If you look at the numbers, you know, those numbers can get bigger, but for the most yeah. part, we're looking at about 6 to 10,
0: yeah. Okay. So do you really then utilize – especially with the world that you've been running for 20 years,
2: mm-hmm.
0: your viewpoint on intervention, especially since the wor- your world has been flushed out really nicely. Do you even have NPCs to give you as a DM the opportunity to like intervene in that way? Like, I get, I'm not trying to sound, you know,
2: sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Fresh no, I or think, anything.
1: Yeah. 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 I think it's always good. It's good to have these points of controversy, right? it's, it's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, I think there's let me let me take a step back real quick because it's it's this, right? Where the world is an organic thing and and when you talk about those types of interventions or talk about those types of oh hold on, sorry. Sorry, Brian. You're good. Sorry, the question one more time. Sorry, my daughter just came in. I had to put myself on mute.
0: Oh you're good, Bob. Um, yeah. so with so many players that um, you have, oh, gotcha,
1: yeah, gotcha. I got, I got, the, I got
0: the answer now. Yeah. Um. Sorry, we can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good, dude. <laughs> um. The magic of pre-recording. Right. Right. Let me know when you're ready. Oh, I'm ready, dude. You're good. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah. So having the amount of players that were. You have so many opportunities, right? And I think what mm-hmm. I was just mentioning. We, I do on average see about six to 10 players a game, but I've had games where we've had 20 plus players. Um, Yeah. And we had multiple groups. They all banana peeled in. And by the time we started the game out with about, I think we had about 12 players. And by the time we ended, it was about somewhere about. I think we ended up with 28 to, I mean, it was a large group. It was a very large group.
0: Dude, 28 um, players. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they're all, we had some on the internet. We had some on zoom, Skype. I mean, there was, it was a hodgepodge of things. And the only way we could Gosh. do that though, it's a different style of game.
0: I was going to say, dude, that you've, you've crossed the realm into something else, bro. <laughs>
1: It's, it's at that point, it's funny because it's like, you'll get that, right? Where some players are like, is that D&D anymore? Because what you're doing, at, when I when I run games that are that big, we have a lot of players like that. Um, I have to run it very similar to how I run a training program, where it's, mm. it's not the actions of one, but it's the actions of many. So like yep. the scenario I put in there is you're fighting a dragon. Now, in most classical senses, you're fighting a dragon that could be, you go up to it whack it with your item, everybody takes turns, and by the time you're done, you've had two turns and it's been a five hour game. Yeah, that'll, that'll drive anybody nuts, specifically when you have that many groups of players. So what we do is I parse them out by groups, Yeah. and in that dragon fight, it could be, this group is running to the ramparts, this group is getting the ballista, this group is trying to aim and trying to figure out like the, 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 the actions of the battlefields. Yep. Um, but it's taking all of those multifaceted things and then and then not just looking at the individual, but looking at them and treating them as a group.
0: So um, even then, you're not intervening; you're facilitating. Then, a
1: hundred percent. Okay, a hundred percent. Because I think that's the other one too: is having that many players. Do I, as a as a DM, get to put a lot of NPCs into the world? Now, honor, honestly, no. Because a lot of since doing this for so many years, like we've got players that I can recall or, you know, in the world that we're in, if another player runs into a character, you can't assume that's an NPC because they'll say something and I'll go, yeah, that's actually a real life player. Go talk to uh, Brian. You know what I mean? So
0: so, you're, so because of the mechanics of your homebrew game or world as is, the players really don't know. If that's an NPC or not. Correct. So they treat things as if they're all PCs.
2: So all therefore,
0: PCs. making it where you really don't have to intervene, unless it's like a, you know, like a rule or something or a ruling, which at that point, it's just like, you know, that's almost, hate to say it, but it's kind of like peanuts compared to, yeah. you know, an actual. You're going in, and you're kind of the puppet master behind everything. You're almost I mean,
1: like, as, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead.
1: Oh, so as as far as that goes, I mean, you you are a facilitator because sure. here's here's where our world really differs from some most uh, or, or most at least is like all the characters are not in groups. Like, here's a good example. I'll I'll, I'll try to make this less wordy, but the best way I can put this. No, go for is it. That, is that you have all five players, Mm -hmm. all five players, they come together and they form a group in traditional D&D sense. Mm -hmm. In the world of Evermore, though, all five of those players can actually create a, 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 how can I say this? They have their own story um, because they've done adventuring on their own. So Mm -hmm. they're not forced into one group. What I mean by that is like, let's say you were playing and all of a sudden they were going down a storyline and you say, yeah, I don't like this. You can leave and join another group within the, or join another uh, g- gaggle of players to create a, a new storyline per se. That's the best thing about having a, uh, an open world, right? Damn,
0: but that's cool.
1: It's amazing. And I think there's a lot of that where now you have all these players that bring in um, these, these examples of what they want to do, right? As a DM, really, all I have to do is look at my players and go, what do they, you know, I know each of their stories individually. And now once they're together, it's like, uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, it's like a hot pot, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. someone's bringing this, someone's bringing that, someone's yep. bringing this. So really when they go into my world, my world is a backdrop. You know, it's, it's not even, a, it's not even a, a, a fourth thing where it's like, you know, there's a classic, you know, go go kill the dragon, go smash this. It's the players and the backstories they bring, the actions they've created, the mm-hmm. relationships they've made with each other that really form that session. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, and so as a DM, that's the best part about it is like, I don't have to come with, when I say like I- intervening, like I don't have to come with a lot of like, I have to get this NPC, this plot line, this thing, or, or make sure the pacing is good. Because the fact of the matter is, the players are there. Just them being there creates drama, action, suspense, all the above. You know,
0: damn. Which yeah. so, and and then, and I and you know, the audience is probably like you know saying the same thing that I'm saying because you don't find that often. You don't find it where a world, and and that's where I think that's why I love hearing about these stories because the stuff that's being streamed right now, it's great and it's awesome, but it's only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to some fantastic worlds. And I think you and I have seen it in the uh, Instagram community, at least where, you know, in the comments section of people who have, you know, they've been building their worlds too, and they've been doing so much and something that actually why this question came about was because the community on instagram has always asked that question and in within their comments they always so uh, they they will say well my dm will do this or my dm just you know lets us do all this stuff and we don't know where to go so it's almost like some players want that in that intervention and i don't i don't know and i'll just be really honest I don't know how I would react or respond to that because that's not my DM style. Um, To be that kind of, you know, I I could see it if I was a professional DM where, you know, the name of the game was provide a story and a fun time. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much, you know, that's me running one shots and adventures. And, you know, basically it's like, you know, world of Warcraft, you know, retail world of Warcraft where you go in, you play, you do a raid or you do your, you know, your little quests and you you go home, so to speak. Versus my style where it's no, it's a story. You're in the world and you're telling the story. Um, my question to you, again, with, with the amount of with, with with the amount of time, but also with the amount of players that you deal with. There's got to be a player that has said that that has wanted more involvement, more of that DM intervention. What do you do and what would you recommend to those DMs who maybe aren't comfortable with that yet and are needing ways to kind of decide whether does this player want intervention or does this player want handholding?
1: So that's the other side, right? You have to kind mm-hmm. of go. What is inexperience versus, um, what is inexperience versus what what you have to intervene with? And I find sometimes when I'm, I think it's a different ball of wax, right? Where mm-hmm. if you're playing with players, or, or if you if you're playing with players that are playing, no. Uh, if you are <laughs> playing with players uh, that are new to the game, you know, I think at that point you have to do that. I, I hate to sound cliche, but show them,
0: show mm, them. Okay.
1: And, and what I mean by show them is it's not, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm trainer NPC. I'm here to, to show your tutorial on how to play D and D. Yeah. It's, it's the minute they walk out of the building, you know, it, it's like saying you, you scan the area and you see a, a character, right. Uh, let, let's go use that market saw one more time. Right? Okay. Use the, and if, if they walk up to the market stall and you tell them, okay, what would you like to buy? But that's how you frame that conversation. You, just, you literally just say, what would you like to buy? There's no color to that. There's yeah. no context. There's no imagination. You're not engaging the senses. When you're, when you're trying to do something like that, that's what I would say is like flavor all of that to kind of get them and show them versus, you know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. having to put a DM in BC and intervene. And I think at that point, what you're using really, it goes back into that storytelling perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: also it's the, it's the show me so I can do it yeah, and praise me when I do. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of that that I do in my games where it's, you know, if it's a brand new player who's never role-played, I'll use voices. I've done mm-hmm. things like, you know, get you know, get really close and just like, you know, with my hands, talk with my hands and try to try to engage other things. But once I've shown them, and even in the questions when I ask them, like for example, when they give me a response, I go, you know, what is your character's hands doing? Or or uh, is there a smirk your character's doing? What is that what is the look on your face of your character right now? And what they tell you is. You know, oh, my character's standing there and he's got this like look of his eyes where it's kind of closed. And I go, is that a mysterious look or is that a look of suspense? No, no, it's suspense because he's probably done something wrong. So what do you say? Then that last part of what do you say, I've pulled so many emotions and so many descriptions around this. I've created this hot pot soup of just everything. And so when the words finally come out of that player's mouth, the first thing I do is I praise them on their actions. And the second thing I do is give them an immediate reaction.
0: I like that positive reinforcement, by the way.
1: That's awesome. It's exactly that. It's it's, you're doing something that, you know, that's going to make you a better player. You're engaging the DM. You're engaging the other players. But the best thing I also tell my players at the table to do is when you see that, freaking, you know, throw out the praises. Call good role-playing moments. Tell them, wow, that was cool. Because what happens if you have players that want to encourage each other? You as a DM can really sit back and facilitate.
0: So it's almost like, and, and again, and it, it's so. And I am going to probably beat this into a pulp, but I think it's so important because the DM, at least from your perspective, that title you know, there is different things, right? Storyteller, facilitator, whatever. Drops. It's almost like the theory of the the one who sets. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard there's, but there's a theory out there that's like, you know, kind of like you set something in motion, you step back and you let things happen. You just let it naturally happen. You don't, you don't touch it again. It just continues to flow and you let nature take its course, so to speak. And that's how I see myself as a dungeon master. I don't know if, if you would say that's kind of what you do as a dungeon master.
1: A thousand percent. And I'll even give a little color to this. For the for an, I, I believe, and this is just purely my opinion, mm-hmm. D D as a whole is a game of questions. Okay. Now, in the act of asking these questions, you add detail by answers and by descriptions, descriptives. So it is in the act of ask, or 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 better yet, pulling questions from your players getting mm-hmm. them to talk getting them to give color that's where i see that you're, you're you're just you're making the setting you're making all of that just come to life
2: because okay.
1: you know what i mean it's it's like saying you know i was running games theater of the mind for for a very long time and for then sure. yeah and then you know when you get when it went into COVID 19 like right now i still do a lot of games of theater of the mind but a lot of that you can give descriptions as a DM. What I find personally though is when you get the other players start adding those descriptions in. Yeah. When I can see that you as a DM stop what you're doing and almost go, okay, wait, 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 wait. That's cool, but how are you holding that sword? Or wait, 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 wait. That's cool. But like when you were jumping off, like, are you looking at somebody? Do you want to portray an emotion? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're giving more fl- you're you're adding more to that story. And then when you truly do step back. It does its thing.
0: And it also gives that that player an invested, you know, je ne sais quoi, as they say, in the world. They become yeah. invested because they say, oh, shit, how am I holding my sword? And it might it might be a little rushed. It might be like, uh, I'm holding my sword in a defensive stance. Oh, okay, well, why? And then you start asking those questions like, and then they get used to it and they say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, my character's holding this sword defensively because deep down inside, you know, they're scared shitless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you, and you start involving them. And, and I, again, I, I could see where you're getting at. I can see where that would really, you're honestly, and it just kind of the light bulb just hit. You lay the foundation almost from the beginning of a game, right? Whether it's the person's first game or their 500th game you lay the foundation down and you pretty much spin the gears so that they can spin on their own and the players are 100% totally involved where, okay, yeah, an NPC here or there, you know, they're peppered in, but you don't need to intervene because all you've done is you've set that foundation, you've spun the gears, and now everything is a well-oiled machine that all you have to do is do maintenance work on it dm maintenance let's just call it that where you know you're asking certain questions you're peppering in you know some flavor text so on and so forth what would that be closer to what you do
1: slam Slam. awesome awesome i mean i think i think you hit the nail on the head right there is because when i was looking to develop this game uh, and i really look at my my rule set and i would say rule set but like my homebrew world is is its own thing right where I wanted it to be about the players, about Mm -hmm. their stories, about what they come together and, you know, what they create coming together in that action. Like you had groups that can intervene in others' games. They could play evil characters, plan assassinations, but they could also create empires, create, you know, huge things of outreach. Um, It's such a different style, but I I love that where you could just, you could nurture that kind of environment. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's just been an amazing game.
0: And I I love hearing that dude, because it's, again, it it just, it makes me think to myself, like how many untold adventures Mm
2: -hmm.
0: are yet to come? I I love that. And, and, you know, and, and again, last, you know, kind of to wrap up this episode, I'm going to repeat everything, you know, I'm going to repeat kind of the, the key factors, what DM intervention isn't, and again, I want you to kind of chime in here, right? I want you to confirm or deny because that is a huge thing. And especially like when we've done an episode um, this long, I think to myself, okay, the audience member, you know, if, if you're listening in on this and you're catching it while you're working, because I, I know folks, you know, it, we're human, right? We're listening and doing other things at the same time. And I think to myself, okay, like let me make sure that the audience like gets the thesis, right? The, they get the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. DM intervention is not and should not be railroaded. You should mm-hmm. not make your characters and players feel like they're pushed into a corner to do a specific thing. Mm-hmm. DM intervention is that sweet, sweet nudge. Into the world, and yeah, you can hold their hand, but it's really to just say, "Hey, you have a question about the world. I'm your encyclopedia. I'm I can intervene when there's a, a discussion about a rule or a you know a player argument. But the intervention is more like a facilitator. If you need me to hold your hand, I'll be glad to do it. If you want me to hold your hand and then let you fly. I got you on that too. That's kind of what I feel like that intervention is. It's more of a facilitation versus a, you know, an intervention. I feel intervention is almost negative because we see so many TV shows where they're like, Hey, this is an intervention.
2: That's exactly that.
0: (laughs) It's corny, but it is, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think it's, it's, and sometimes it is right. Like, there can be a connotation of negativity when it comes down to using an intervention, but in that context, and I even go back to what we originally said uh, and, and as a counterpoint, where an intervention doesn't have to be bad. Intervention can be good.
2: Okay. You know, yep.
1: An intervention of, you know, the players are struggling with money and all of a sudden this, uh, this, this, you know, this person comes out and says, I've seen the good that you've done for this city and here's a thousand gold pieces and now go buy that plate mail. Mm Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be bad. It doesn't always have to be good. I think it's, it's just, uh, it's always in the context of the situation.
0: So, yeah. And, and and, and, and the intervention can actually propel the story without railroading because you, you set a great example. You did great for the town. I've seen you do good things for the town in my bakery. I've observed you you know, and and you're, you're role-playing that NPC. I've observed you and I have no children of my own, but you are such gifts to this town. Here's this thousand gold. Do what you must with it. And if this plate mail will serve your purpose to protect this town and protect the folks that I've grown to love, here you go. You know, that's can be seen as intervention, but you just made it As part of the story you in you weaved that strand of the story into the character's lives now Mm -hmm. so it's almost like it could be intervention but Mm -hmm. if it's serving the point of the story is it intervention or facilitation
1: yeah agreed i think i think the 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 fine line is always to me when you're intervening it's it's a reaction to a set action but Mm. um if if you're weaving it as part of your story element per se it's putting it in front of your players and asking um you know having them interact with it uh if if they grabbed it you know for instance if it's like you know uh, we'll use that market it's not like well we'll go over time uh, sorry i didn't want to go over too much time but no you're uh, good boss you're yeah, good yeah as far as uh, as far as that intervention goes yeah, yeah yeah i'll drop that point never mind never mind Brian. forget that point <laughs>
0: No, no worries, man. You're good. Um, but again, dude, I really appreciate you always coming onto the show man and i i really um I really enjoy these conversations, especially with the fact that you know things in the world right now are kind of weird, but the fact that we can come to the table, talk yeah. about nerd shit and talk about d and d and and learn about you know how one another reacts and acts in the world and our own things. I mean, dude, this is what I love about the community. We're just so willing to share with one another. So dude, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you, man. And from
1: one DM to another, it's always a pleasure to be here and talk with you. And I think that's the thing I enjoy constantly is it's an organic conversation that you and I just, you know, it's like two people sitting on a bench somewhere, just talking shop
0: yep um, absolutely this this yeah. is what i feel like if we were at a game store together just or just even making terrain together we would be talking yeah. stuff like this
1: yeah that's exactly what it would be man just
0: living it out there dude so, so i i appreciate it. dude folks out there listening um thank you for listening we appreciate it um be sure i i have two things for you be sure to follow ray on got dm On Instagram, you can see a lot of his awesome terrain builds. He also teaches folks how to build terrain. And I have to say, it's been a money saver and a game changer for me because I never knew that I could build terrain just out of things that I could find at my local hardware shop. So make sure to follow him. Also, make sure to check out Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear is... um, actually really the brainchild of got dm and it's really bringing awesome products together and awesome gaming products at a really valuable price and when i also mean valuable price i think of value as something that one is going to save me time so a lot of the the dice trade dice um dice tower combo that you all have at roaming player gear is legitimate. fantastic because i could use it for star wars legion i could use it for D and i could use it for warhammer which again that's a whole different topic you might be saying why the hell do you have that many dice don't judge right. me i like
1: <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing uh nothing sounds better than a handful of what's that 30 d6s so
0: <laughs> i know right and then just saying hey how many units does this uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> does yeah, this take but you know but
0: again <laughs> folks be sure to check out roaming player gear and use roaming20 that's roaming 20 um at checkout you get a 20% discount at the end and again if you're all about supporting the community and getting really good shit and really good gear check out roaming player gear i guarantee you're not going to be disappointed but again folks i appreciate y'all ray i appreciate brother and folks Be safe out there. Don't forget to love one another and as always, keep gaming.